This is the birthplace of the Bohemian Revolution from Cowork 591 Studios. This is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network with co-host Dale Reber and producer Blake Tempest. I am Jim Gillespie, and this is the Jessup News for May 8, 2023. Someone asked, uh, what or who is a Bohemian, Dale? So, Well, who's the most famous Bohemian ever? Good question. Maynard G. Krebs, don't you think? Well, see... The argument of what a, what a bohemian is, yeah, Dale. Let's yeah. talk. Let's talk about what a bohemian is okay. here before we get too far. Bull hunks or is that against the rules? Oh, that's something that, else. That, isn't that, it? that okay. may be something <laughs> that we have to talk about off air. I knew that case. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a lady who was one. That's how she always referred to herself. So I'm not being bad here. So. All right. All right. Go ahead. A bohemian. I don't. It's a it's an alternative lifestyle kind of thing. It is it's, sort of. I've never sort really of. looked it up, but it's uh, uh, it's just they're a little diff- different. Not different weird, but just different. They look at things in a different way. It's, it's an art scene. Um, here here you go. This is this is on uh, my my uh, blog. I I've, I have a blog called My Life in the Amish Air Force. Okay. And if you get a chance, um, you get a chance to go to that blog. But this the Amish Air Force. My life in the Amish Air Force. Okay. Um, my students down. used my students used to ask me, Dale, what am I going to do when I retired? And I told them I was going to be a pilot in the Amish Air Force, <laughs> and they would look at me with the with wide eyes, like, "What are you talking about? They don't fly airplanes." Yeah. And uh, well, there's I, a, what, an electric Amish band or something. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't. Okay. I, haven't. Uh, I will look that up for you to get the title right. So. But in, anyhow, this is from the May 23rd, 2011 blog post um, of my life in the Army Sheriff Force. Okay. I was raised in northern Iowa, not far from a small town called Protovan. It is Protovan where I learned to speak a limited amount of Czech from the 300 inhabitants. The majority of the ancestors of these wonderful people actually came from the region of Bohemia and Eastern Europe. There are a few places in the world where I have eaten better food and met nicer people than in Protovan. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, this was how I viewed what a Bohemian was. Over the years, on numerous occasions, people have called me a Bohemian, and I was flattered. Here's how Wikipedia defines Bohemian, and because it is on the Internet, it, Dale, it oh. can't be wrong. <laughs> No, Abraham Lincoln once said, don't believe everything you read on the Internet. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, the term has become associated with various artistic. That's ah, why I okay. say, that's why I say um, birthplace mm-hmm. of the Bohemian Revolution okay. because it is artistic. Okay. Okay. Um, artistic or academic communities and is used as a generalized adjective describing such people Environs and situations, Bohemian Boho from the 1950s, as you talked mm-hmm. about. Informal is defined in the American College Dictionary as a person with artistic or intellectual tendencies who lives and acts with no regard for conventional rules okay. or behavior. Yeah. Okay? okay. So, like, we want to have a house where artists live together for relatively um, little or no expenses, mm-hmm. and that is a bohemian type of lifestyle. Sure, okay. Okay? Uh, 
Many prominent European and American figures of the last 150 years belong to the Bohemian subculture, and any comprehensive list of Bohemians would be tediously long. Bohemians have been approved by some bourgeoisie writers, such as Henri de Balzac, but most conservative culture critics do not condone Bohemian lifestyles. Ah. So many many conservative lifestyles don't condone our show here either. Dale. Is that right? Okay. I've heard that. Lots of letters complaining. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, any any letter is a good letter, Dale. Um, <laughs> sure. we, we welcome we welcome letters that complain. You can be the first one to send us a letter. <laughs> uh, the New York Times colonist David Brooks contends that much of the cultural ethos, what he, what he semi-humorously terms upper-class Americans, meaning well-to-do middle-class people, is Bohemian-derived, coining the paradoxical term bourgeoisie Bohemians or bohos. Okay. The Bombshell Manual of Style author Lauren Stover breaks down the Bohemian into five distinct mindset styles in Bohemian Manifesto, a field guide to living on the edge. So if you want to be a Bohemian, here's how you do it. Get this book. Okay. Okay. The Bohemian is not easily classified like species of birds, writes Stover, noting that there are crossovers and hybrids. The five types devised by Stover are the nouveau, Bohemian with money, who attempt to join the traditional Bohemians with contemporary culture. So, basically, the new Bohemians. Okay, they're the ones that have money. Yeah, they are the ones that have okay. money. All right. The second one is the gypsy. Now, gypsy is supposedly become a derogatory term um, now, but it, it is a group of people from Eastern Europe, no, near Bohemia, I remember my grandmother telling me about gypsies that they would mm-hmm. travel around, they would steal children. Yeah. You know, and I thought, yeah. I think she was trying to get me to stay close to the house, but uh, uh, that was still, you know, halfway modern mm-hmm. in the 50s, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, the, these are drifters, neo hippies, and others with nostalgia for previous romanticized eras. Okay. Then there is the beatniks, the beats. Ah, okay, that's what. Also drifters, but non-materialist and art-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Kerouac, the one yeah. that we talked about earlier yeah. in the before the show. They had the coffee houses that wore black and played the bongos and there you go. chanted poetry. Yes. Okay. Then uh, there are the Zen Bohemians, post-beatniks, focused on spirituality rather than art. Okay. And the dandy. The dandies are have have given the Bohemians a bad name. Um, they don't believe in money, um, but try to appear as if they have it by buying and displaying expensive or rare items, such as brands of alcohol. Uh, in the United States, the Bohemian impulse can be seen in the 1960s hippie counterculture, which is in turn informed by the Beat generation via writers such as William S. Burrow, Allen Ginsberg, and Jack Kerouac. Okay. Rainbow gatherings may be seen as another contemporary world, worldwide expression of the Bohemian impulse. An American example is Burning Man, um, an annual participatory art festival held in the Nevada desert. So that, Dale, the 
the Bohemians are our artists. Um, che Guevara um, was from a Bohemian family in Argentina. Okay. Um, and they are um, some unique people. That, that is what a bo- Bohemians are. Remember, the Steve Brown Art Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists young and old alike to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within our community as well as pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide the opportunity for community engagement. The long-range vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas of arts and the humanities. On tonight's show, we talk with Dave Bishop, Jessup Councilman. We have another segment of Winners and Losers. We do the second segment of Ogmandino's book on how to be successful. We look at conspiracy theories. We give you the top stories in Jessup, and we discuss service and art. It's a full episode. Dale, um, before we go on, you said you have an, you had another trivia question. Do you want to tell us what that trivia I, question I is? I do. See if you can get this. It's, it's the, the three most off-quoted men. Okay, I'll give you two. You tell me the third one. Okay? Okay. So Jesus and Shakespeare are the first two. Who's the third one? All right. Um, Most quoted man. I have. I have ESPN. Uh, Blake <laughs> has ESPN, the magazine, and Dale, um, you have ESPN too. Okay. Right. So, so um, I'm going to guess: is this Julius Caesar? <laughs> no, it's not Julius Caesar. No, Dang. it's not Julius Caesar. No. Okay. Well, well, here it is. Well, if this is a trivia question, we don't want to tell the, tell the people. We want them to get a hold of us so that they can win. Okay. You think they can win? They can um, win. All right. I will keep quiet then. Okay. All right. Remember now, next three week. Three most quoted men. Okay. Shakespeare, Jesus, and... Okay. Interesting. Yes. Do you have a quote by them? Do you have one quote by them to give the audience a little... Uh... <laughs> give it away, but I will do it. If Go you ahead. Okay. Go ahead. If you come to a fork in the road, take it. Ah, yes, yes. All right. If you come to a fork in the road, take it. Yes. That does give it away. <laughs> but uh, we have some baseball fans that like when you talk baseball, Dale, yeah, so they're okay. going to get it. All right, okay. It's going to break some of their hearts that it's uh, that person. But. Yeah, well, I don't know. Actually... Well, I talk about it next time, maybe, but much more to this person than meets the eye. There'd be a nice long article about him in the paper. I don't just think these are the, pull them out of the air. You know, I have to read them someplace and then bring them here, hoping that nobody else is reading the newspaper. Right. Okay. All right. No, I hope that it'd be nice if people would answer these. Things, yes. You know? Yes. So okay, I had another one last week. We didn't get to ask. I'll do it now. Okay. Sure, if you what want to. What business is now located in the old Kabad's Cafe? If you regularly watch our podcast, you will know the answer. So, what business is now located in the old Kabad's Cafe? So. Okay, that's that's a good challenge. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, Dale says, you, 
if you pay attention uh, to our podcast, which yes. many the numbers are up, Mr. Reber, All the right. numbers are up. Okay. Yep. Um, in library news this week, Little Todd Story Time meets every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. for songs and stories and more. The Spice Club, this, um, the May Spice is Caraway this month. The Book Club is Exiles by Christina Baker-Klein, and the books are available in the Jessup Public Library. They will meet to discuss that book May 15th at 1 p.m. That's Monday at 1 p.m., May 15th. Special Saturday story time, Saturday, May 20th at 10.30. Join us for Piggy story time with pork producers of Buchanan County for stories, activities, and piggy fun. I wonder if they're going to have, like, <laughs> pork, pork uh, sandwiches, Dale. I don't know if you could have piggy fun and then have pork sandwiches. Yeah. That, that, would, that wouldn't be good. All right. That wouldn't be good. Uh, don't forget to support the Friends of Jessup Public Library. They also have a number of things you can check out there. Not only books, but cookie cutters and activity bags, etc. Don't forget the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. Also 1,000 books before kindergarten. The new bestsellers at JPL include Dark Angel by John Sanford. Simply Lies by David Baldacci, Homecoming by Kate Morton, I Will Find You by Harlan Coben, Countdown by James Patterson, Stormwatch by C.J. Box, The Only Survivors by Megan Miranda, Trees of the Emerald Sea by Brandon Sanderson, and Spear by Prince Harry, Prince Harry who is going home for his father's... His father's um, Coronation, thank you. I was going to say swearing in, but coronation, thank you. Which I was going to tell people, if, you want, if you're a big John Sanford fan, which I am, mm-hmm. uh, you need to call in quick to get on the list because I called in right after our program last week. You mentioned right. that book, I, next day, and he, well, we'll put you on the list. So somebody already ah. got it out there. And ah. so, but uh, yeah, he's, he's an excellent author. He writes out of Minnesota. And okay. so a lot of the things he writes about, you know, I've been there. And so, it's, but. Uh, He's a very, that C.J. Box has one. I read all of his stuff, too. So, um, okay. Uh, very good. Recommend them highly. Okay. Very good. Um, the, the second step to success from Ogmandino, the greatest salesman in the world, okay. um, is... I thought it was Fred Smack down at Dunlap's, but not, <laughs> not the case, I guess. Okay. Um, Mandino, excuse me, talks about this, and I really love this, um... My cousin is going through some some tough times out in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, and we we talked about this actually today. Um, the second step to success is I will greet each day with love in my heart, mm-hmm. and we we as a culture have changed drastically as a society. We are people that want. And have become wanners in ask, you know, we ask for things. And the Mandino talks about how if you want to change the world, if you want to become a better person, if you want to be a success, show love. Mm-hmm. You know, what well, you know, go out, reach out, and and welcome people into into your surroundings. 
One of the things I've been doing, Dale, and I and I advise the listeners to do this, is I have I have three hundred. We're all, we're all attached to our cell phones, mm-hmm. and I have three hundred contacts on my cell phone, <laughs> um, and I, and I got to thinking would have been, you know, a couple weeks ago, you know. I, People only call me when they want something. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling sorry for myself. And I started thinking, well, well, the, you know, is that why you call people is because you want something? Mm-hmm. And so my goal became to call three people a day and just see how they're doing. Just tell them I'm not calling and asking them for anything. Yeah. I want to make sure you're all right. And actually, a couple of people cried yeah. when I called them. People, people need to know that other people care, Dale. No, I, I think you're right. And I'm very remiss about that kind of thing myself. I don't reach out like I should. And, so, and I have a daughter the same way, and I think she got it from me. But it's difficult for me to make cold calls. Uh-huh. Like if I call you just to chat out of the blue, I always have this thing, well, he's in the shower, you know, or he's changing the baby's diaper or something. Right. You know, it's a bad time, but they're, right. and, and it always, I've been this way since I was very young, but I, it's phone phobia probably is the best. So I have trouble making, if you tell me, give me a call, then I'll call you and I'll talk all day, but it's those cold calls that really are harder for me to make. And so... Uh, Texting then takes, because a lot of times I'll just text and say, call me when you have a minute. Right. So that's been a a blessing for me. Uh, One thing that I'm real proud of, Dale, the last year that I taught, I had 120 kids, you know, and that was about an average. You know, I I always had freshmen and sophomore world perspectives, world cultures. So about 60 in each class. Mm Mm-hmm. And that that year, I wrote a letter to each of my students, a handwritten letter to each of my students' mm-hmm. parents and complimenting their children That's and really thanking nice. for yeah. them. And, you know, it was just one a day. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't that hard, yeah. and yeah. It, was, it, it was two or three paragraphs. It wasn't long. It was on the size of a thank you note. Mm-hmm. And... I was real proud of that. Oh, sure. I think you should be. And and Dale, people people want and need happiness in their life. Yeah. So so um, the the first two steps, if you remember last last week's step, is today I be, today I begin a new life, and then. This week's step is I will greet each day with love in my heart. And it's not a hard thing to do. Yeah. So that is that is um, Ogmandino's greatest salesman in the world. Okay. Um, and I will give you the third step next week. Okay. You probably never had to teach like telephone safety or anything. <laughs> this is before uh, you know, all the phones we have now. But, and one of the main things was to the kids is if you answer the phone, never tell anybody that you're home by yourself, that your parents are gone. And this little boy, he raised his hand, and if I told you who he was, you would know right away. But he said that he answered the phone, 
and uh, the guy wanted to talk to his dad. And he said, well, my dad's not able to come to the phone. And what's he doing? Well, he's, he's taking a bath. And the, kid, the guy said, well, okay, well, can I talk to your mom? And he says, no. He says, she's taking a bath, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew both his parents very, very well, but I never said anything to him. I tell you, teaching sometimes is a lot of fun. It, it was. It, it was truly was. <laughs> um, this week, uh, this week um, sponsored by White Funeral Home, um, we have one obituary. That is Delphine A. Blunt. Um, Delphine A. Blunt was 94 years old of Jessup, Iowa, formerly of Gilbertville, Iowa, died of natural causes Saturday, April 22nd at Unity Point Allen Memorial Hospital. Delphine A. Meisch was born J- July 2nd, 1928, in Gilbertville, Iowa, the daughter of Philip W. Meisch and Clara A. Schmidt Meisch. She attended Immaculate Conception Catholic School in Gilbertville on June 1, 1948. She was united in marriage to James Francis Blunt in Gilbertville, Iowa. They made their home in rural Blackhawk County, where they farmed and raised their family. Delphine was a member of the IC Catholic Church, Gilbertville. Delphine is survived by four daughters, Margaret Hart of Keller, Texas, Luann Kinsella of Bethany, Oklahoma, Joan Mike Campsey of Gretna, Nebraska, and Patricia and Matt Goodwin of Des Moines, Iowa. Two sons, Dennis Blunt of Eagle Center, Iowa, and John Blunt of Ladysmith, Wisconsin. One, in, one daughter-in-law, Julie Blunt of Jessup, Iowa, 25 grandchildren, 39 great-grandchildren, and many nieces and nephews. She's preceded in death by her parents, her husband, James Francis Blunt, one daughter, Sarah Riley, two sons, Richard Blunt, James Patrick Blunt, one grandson, Austin Brewer, and one sister, Regina Mangrich, one brother, Joseph Meisch, and son-in-law, Steve Hart. Memorials can be directed to Immaculate Conception Catholic Church. I was, you know, you start thinking about how old you are, but then, you know, that lady, she got married when I was one year old. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it just, uh, uh, I don't know, yeah, everything you got to put in a perspective, I guess. It, you do. It, it, uh, it is, it is, uh, the, year, the years go by, don't they? I was in the drugstore the other day, and a kid came in to get a prescription, and he, they, you know, they asked for his birth date, and it was 2003. I thought, oh, <laughs> 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 Well, you were born in the 2000s, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Time okay. marches on. Okay. okay, our guest this evening is David Bishop, and uh, David is here because we do a lot with, with volunteer work, and, and, and David is well known in the community for volunteering to be to work with the city on the city council and spend a term as mayor, and he also is involved with a group called uh, the Patriot Guard, right? Writers. Okay, writers? Mm-hmm. The Patriot Guard writers, or just the Patriot writers? Patriot Guard writers. Patriot, Patriot Guard writers, okay. Yep. And you have that covered up on your shirt, so I couldn't read it. See, I was depending on that, and you missed me up. Uh, <laughs> well, I've known David a long time, but like Gillespie and I came to Jessup because we had work here. Can you tell us how how you and Denise ended up in Jessup? Well, my wife and I were originally from Iowa, and we had moved back in 1985 down to Texas. 
and I was uh, got on the police department there in Mesquite, Texas. Worked there for close, well, it was ten years, and then we decided it was time to move back to Iowa. My mom was quite ill, so we thought we'd move back so I could help take care of her, uh-huh. and that's how we ended back up in Iowa. And when we did, of course, we were starting to look for a house. And we rented a place north of town on a farm. And I continued looking and looking and went, went through other cities and came into Jessup. And, w- and we didn't know anybody at all. Mm-hmm. We pulled into Jessup and just cruising around, checking out the houses. And, and this was in probably the... The fall, maybe the winter, you know, it was December, January, maybe. And people walking up and down the street, going into the stores, they waved at us. And I'm like, wow, they don't even know us, you know. And they're waving. I like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, the time went on and we kept looking for houses and the weather got a little bit warmer. and But still, people would would wave as you drove by, and I'd wave back. I, I, I'm a waver, you know. I, 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 and uh, long story short, we bought a house up on Holly Street, and we've been there since 19, 1995, I believe it okay. is. So longer than I, the time goes by, but you've been here yeah. quite a while. Yes, okay. and we just just love Jessup. Okay. The, uh, the, the people here in town and everything, it, it's, it's just a beautiful Small city. I, I really love it. You know, it's. And so, were you working at anything then after you moved here? Or? Yeah, I got on uh, Blackhawk County Sheriff's Department. Okay. Uh, when I came back from Texas and worked there for 11 years, and then I injured my knee and had to take a disability retirement. And then after that, uh, I guess people thought that I'm retired, I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. It went. It went that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, how did you find police? Is police work in Iowa different than police work in like Mesquite, Texas? It, it is. Uh, of course, Iowa more rural, especially Blackhawk County. In Mesquite, we were a s- southeast suburb of Dallas. Uh-huh. Population was a hundred and twenty some thousand population. On our department, I was a senior canine handler. We had three canine teams on the department, and each shift had an approximately 18 officers on each shift. Uh-huh. And it was always, always busy. I mean, it, the only time it wasn't really busy was if it was raining, you know, this type of thing, yeah. but you were, you were running. There was a lot of times when you'd get a break for supper and it wasn't like 10 o'clock and you are getting off shift at 11. Uh-huh. But it's, and not, not that it's not busy here, but it was just a faster pace, of course, larger area. Yeah. Was there one there. kind of thing that was, you had to handle more often than others? Or? Well, being the canine, we were busy uh-huh. with the tactical unit or SWAT team, whatever you want to call it, and the narcotics people. Yeah. And we would work with them a lot. And then as our reputation, you might say, grew, we got called over to Dallas. We got called over north of Dallas to Denton County Sheriff's Department. Uh, we worked with the Texas Rangers. 
it was mm-hmm. it was busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when you came to Iowa, you had some of those dogs with you, one or two. I, ha- I had Were my they one working dogs that you had worked with. My one service dog that I worked with, my partner Alano, mm-hmm. and. When we knew we were going to move back to Iowa, I explained to the chief down there that I wasn't leaving my partner there. Uh-huh. He was coming with me because we were partners, you know, for five years, six years in, in the squad car. And he said, well, let me talk to the city manager. Well, long story short, they sold Alano to me for a dollar mm-hmm. just to keep everything above right. board. Yeah. So that's the best one dollar bill I ever spent. <laughs> and how long? How long did did uh, Alano survive when you came to Iowa? How how much longer did, did he? It live? was probably a year that happened, and that was it wasn't because of a health reason. Uh, like I said, we were living out in the country, and. Uh, what we figured out was he was in a kennel outside under a shade tree and everything. This is in summer. And somebody came on a motorcycle, tried to kick in the door of the house, the farmhouse. Alano saw that and he literally broke through the gate on the kennel and chased the person on the motorcycle. We saw the footprints on the door where he kicked it in. We saw the motorcycle tires going out. And my wife had come home and said she found Alano passed away by one of the side buildings. Uh-huh. So I rushed home quick and found out that he died of heat stroke. He chased this person on the motorcycle until he got hot and then came back and passed oh, away. That's too bad. Yeah. So that was, that was tough. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Still had it in him. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so... It must have been quite a transition time, you know, for people's bad, but for animals also. Though. It was. It was because you spend eight, ten hours or more in a car with them, mm-hmm. and they're your backup. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you depend on them. Yeah. And they depend on you, you know, and uh, I could tell you all kinds of stories, but, <laughs> but it was really, it was the best job I ever had, mm-hmm. being a canine handler. Okay. And did you work with canines at all back in Blackhawk back County? Back in County? Kind of, no. Kind of, okay. I, uh, I had my expertise there, my certificates, but I never had the opportunity mm-hmm. to, to do that. Sure. So. Okay. So was it after you retired that you got involved with, we'll say, local politics? Or? Yeah, it was after I uh, did my medical uh, leave, you know, with mm-hmm. my knee and everything. Uh, I was asked one time if I'd be interested in running for city council. And it caught me by surprise because we were still fairly new, you know, been here. Okay, so nothing happened that made you interested or wanted? No, okay, it was no, fun. I was just mm-hmm. just, just enjoying, bystander, yes. enjoying life, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. And somebody came up to me and asked me if they would, and they talked to me about it. And so I talked it over with my wife, Denise, mm-hmm. and... Uh, we decided, yeah, let's let's do it. I, you know, by then we were uh, acclimated with the way the city runs. You know, we were getting so used to the people. You know, it was a nice place to live, uh-huh. and we thought we're going to live here the rest of our lives. Why why not help them out if uh-huh. if we can? You yeah. know, help somebody out. So, so we ran, and or I ran, and I got elected to four years in the city council. 
Well, we, we talked about this off, off air, but we haven't talked about it on air. How many years have you been involved in city government here in Chesapeake? Uh, totally, of total of 10 years. Eight years, uh, each term for city council is four years. Mayor is two years, so I had, I'd be finishing up my second term in December. That'll make eight years total on the city council and two years as mayor. And what's, what's been most gratifying about it uh, for you? I believe just helping with the infrastructure for the city, improving the services a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, as cities grow, the, things don't get forgotten about, but uh, like, you know, the sewer systems, water systems, we've gotten to where we're improving everything now, and right now we're doing a lot of improvement on water and sewer pipes, getting getting everything up to date. Yeah. And then also uh, working with the uh, public safety departments, getting new equipment for them that they really need and really deserve. And that's that's been a plus for me. You know, those, those services the city supplies, I mean, they're not glamorous things, but they are the nuts and bolts of of right, a community and very, very important. It's and I, the, I think people don't take you know give enough credit to how important yeah, it's, they are. It's the meat and potatoes of how a city runs. Oh, right, right. You know, it's not all glamorous. You know, out there, you know, kissing babies and everything. You yeah. know, you've got to run the city in a justifiable way for the citizens and do it as economically as you can. Sometimes you can't, but that's the way the ball drops. We, we talked with Mayor Even a few, was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we mentioned that it seemed like everything's just kind of going along. Right now, there's no drama right. in, in City Hall. And have you noticed that? Is that a yeah. change? Because That's, for a while there, it seemed like there was something all the time that was you know, just, just like an irritation. Yeah, just something biting you all the time. Uh, and and uh, I don't want to jinx myself, but these four years <laughs> has been really rewarding mm-hmm. yeah, working yeah. with the with the people we have on the board and on the city council and and the mayor even is really progressive and if something's not going to fit us financially he won't push it mm-hmm. and he never really well he doesn't have a, a, a personal agenda he brings everything up to us I like that and lets us discuss things sure. yeah. And that's, you know, and if we decide it's not going to work, we tell him and we're okay with that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, it's just, we, we don't leave the city hall like we're going to, you know, kick you in the butt or something because you didn't approve that, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah. We want, everybody wants to do something what's the best for the city uh-huh. and, and for the citizens here. How much... And this is a bad question, probably. <laughs> but since you're getting off, how much work is there involved? We're trying to get people to run. It's one of our things is we want people to volunteer, and you have an open seat now. Uh, just how much is involved, and what's the, the, the maybe the hardest part or the worst part of the job, or any, any comments on that? Well, with uh, years ago when they had budget hearings, that was, boy, that was tough. That took a lot of time, but now... Uh, our city clerk and, and the mayor have uh, gotten together with department heads and done it on their own, you know, one at a time. And so it's brought to the city council for approval or approval or disapproval. And that has really taken a lot off of our 
shoulders, you might say, instead of having meetings every week for two or three or four months. Yeah. It has really helped a lot mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really impressed with uh, everyone that works in City Hall. You go in there and everyone is is concerned. They work hard, but they're it also is. respectful and, and kind. And they're friendly. And, yeah. you know, you can go in there. I've been in there just to check on some mail or something, and and they're in there uh, addressing somebody who comes in with a complaint or a bill, and and I gotta say, they, our city clerk and deputy city clerk are really awesome. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so too. They really are. They're, they're people persons, yeah. you know, yeah. and they know how to react with people and discuss things civilly, and I, I like that. So people always worry about the the dreaded constituent phone call at home. Do you have have you got many of those or? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've had. Well, I I don't get a whole lot of them, but I I get a few. Mm-hmm. I guess my share, and I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Every time I've called, if somebody has called me and had a question for me or a complaint or an issue, they start to apologize. Well, I hate to call you at home. Yeah, and I tell them, hey, I'm I'm here. I'm here for you, for anybody who wants to call me. Just don't call me after 10 o'clock at night. I need my beauty sleep. Yeah. Most but, of Iowans uh, know that. <laughs> yeah, but I do not mind them calling me about an issue that may come up or, mm. or a complaint. And I always, and I don't know, I, I guess it was my parents taught me this. I always tell them, I will get back with you with an answer. If I can't find an answer... I will tell you. I will call you and tell you I can't find an answer, but I will call you back. Right, right. And I've always done that. And I I really believe from the feedback I get from the people who've called me, they appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure they do. Instead of just dropping the ball and yeah. who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I know it's been not, there's not very many things I've ever said no. about, but every now and then I see you and I say, it's nice to know somebody that's on the council that you see and you can mention. Have you thought about right. this or did you hear about that or whatever? Mm-hmm. And you've always been real good about uh, yeah, appreciate following it, up but on that's, that. And, uh, that's just me. I, I, you know, we're there for the for the citizens. And I know that probably sounds political thing, but that's the way I feel. We're there for the people in the city. Mm-hmm. And if they have a question, I've always told them, you can call me. I don't care what time it is. If it's a reasonable time, don't, don't fret about it. Yeah. So overall, I'm getting the vibe that uh, all in all, it's been an enjoyable experience for you to volunteer really to be on the council and to really serve as mayor for a couple yeah. of years. So, yes, um, it really has. It's uh-huh. been 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 really good. I gotta admit. Okay. And uh, I would urge anybody to do that. Uh, and if you think about, you know, getting on the city council or putting your name on the on the ballot. Don't expect to go in there with a uh, personal agenda. Well, I want something happened over here. I'll yeah. just get on city council and do that. That's not the way it works. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a city council board has to approve everything. And if you can go in there with an open mind, that's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Good and then advice for almost everything, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And, and you know, be civil with people. You know, if they call and they're kind of irate type of thing, just kind of calm them down, yeah. you know. And, of course, I've had more training in 
most people right, are trying right. to do that, you know. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a good good thing to get into the city council because you learn a lot about city government. Uh-huh. You know, um, I'm sure you've heard of the book Utopia. I think I believe it was Thomas More that wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that book, he he says everyone should be everyone should be involved in local government for six years. Right. You know, just I, to I, see how the machine works. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what it takes to work. And I've learned so much in these few years. You know, how how this works, and well, you just can't do this. You've got to go through this. You know, and. And I, I guess I'm the senior one on the city council right now, so it's it's come in handy because some of the younger members, you know, can we do this or what would you suggest? You know, I said, well, you can do this, but you got to, you know. Yeah. So it, it helps. Well, when right. you read the council minute, they talk about what millage and this yeah. and that. And I thought, ah, oh, do they have a little school that explains what all that is, or you can you just uh, learn by doing, or. Usually you can learn by doing, but you can also uh, go to uh, the Iowa government. Iowa government of municipalities has schools after the elections, usually. And you can go there and attend usually about a day or two day class and learn a lot of that stuff. But thankfully, we're we're blessed here in Jessup with... uh, our city clerk and deputy city clerk, again, that know that stuff. They know where to look for the answers, and then they can get back to us, refer back to us, and that makes a lot easier. Yeah. My biggest thing was, I don't know what I was helping out with, but I had to go to the city council meeting, and they used initials, you know, like Megma is this and MAP is that, and I say, I'm so you got to tell me what those mean because right. I have no idea. <laughs> and so they had to slow down for me so I understood. And mm-hmm. you, you feel a little awkward there because everybody knows what you're talking about except you. Yeah. But um, yeah. so those kind of things. Uh, and that's, you know, when you ask them that, they don't mind, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, explaining that yeah. to you. And that's, you know, that's what... Uh, well, the hard part is admitting that you don't know what they're talking yeah. about and, and asking the question. Because, being yeah. on the city council, yeah, it's tough to admit to a person who calls you that, you know, I don't know the answer. Yeah. But uh, if I call back, again, like I said, I sound repetitive, I'll call you back whether I can find an answer or not. But when, if you tell them that I, I couldn't find an answer, at least you're being upfront with them, being them honest yeah. with them. Yeah, okay. And... But, Okay, we like to switch gears a little bit to okay. you're involved with the Patriot Guard Writers. Right. And would you like to tell a little bit of history about how that organization was started and why it was started? Or I find that very interesting. I've talked to. with you about that before. I'd so. love to. Yeah. It, it began in uh, the, the Patriot Guard Writers, let me premise that, is, is a national organization. At the present time, there are roughly 329,000 members nationwide oh. with each state has a Patriot Guard unit so anyway it started back in 2015 I believe it was this church down in Kansas would protest that was when Afghanistan was a war zone and the KIA or killed in actions uh, military would come back to get buried the family would be there the friends these people, is Westboro Baptist Church down in Kansas, they would, uh, they would attend 
and protest at the funerals. They would carry signs that, you know, glad he's dead, glad she's dead, uh, wish more would die, you know, uh-huh. terrible things like that. So these two actual Legion members in Kansas got together, decided they needed to do something to protect the families and protect the veteran who was deceased from these people who was demonstrating and being really nasty. Uh-huh. And that's a little bit how the Patriot Guard got started. And like I said, we're in all 50 states. Uh, of course, some states are bigger. They have more members and everything. But we, I'm, I'm really proud to be a member of them. Mm-hmm. And you call riders, don't you? You ride a motorcycle. Is it right. all motorcycles? Or? Uh, and that's one. There's two things that people uh, think that they have to be to be a member of the Patriot Guard Riders, you do not have to be a member, or I don't have to be a military member. You don't have to be in, in uh, public safety at all. You can be just a regular civilian who wants to pay honor and respect to the fallen veteran. Oh, that's that's so all cool. they have to be. They do not have to own or ride a motorcycle. A lot of us do, but there's others that... Uh, drive pickups, cars, jeeps, just so you can get there. Uh-huh. Well, Dave, and, Dave, one of your titles is chaplain. You know, right. not to, And I, I want to change gear a little bit more. Tell us how you ever got, got to be well, the chaplain and ride captain besides. Oh, man of many hats. Yeah. <laughs> the state of Iowa is different to a point that from other states that we have a state chaplain. Some states don't, but Iowa does have a state chaplain, and uh, his name is Ray Needham, lives in Waverly, just a swell guy. After a while, I was on the Patriot Guard for five years, five or six years, and I've always gone to church type of thing, and I walked up to him one day at, at an honor mission or a funeral. That's what we call a funeral is an honor mission, and I asked Ray about is there any chance I could maybe fill in as a chaplain sometime? He says, glad to have you if we can. You know, let me see how it goes. So anyway, it was about a year later. I got a phone call in the evening from Ray, and he says, uh, I've, I've got a position open for a chaplain in the Northeast Iowa District. The state of Iowa is divided up in fourths, Northeast, Northwest, Southeast, Southwest. And we have a chaplain position open. Would you like to take that? And I said, I'd be honored to. So each, he appointed me as a chaplain for the Northeast Iowa District. And each district has numerous chaplains, maybe three or four to fill in. Well, I was cruising along with with that title, doing what chaplains do on our missions, you know, for the families and for the members. And then one afternoon again, I got another phone call, and it was my senior ride captain who was head of the Northeast Iowa section. Each section has a senior ride captain, kind of like a you know uh, you know staff, you know type go up there. And and he called me. He says, Dave. He says, I'm putting your name in as a ride captain. And I said, No, you don't want to. 
No, I'm, I'm happy being a chaplain because when you get to be a ride captain, you have to work with the funeral directors to get funeral plans set for that day, for flag lines, for escorts, uh, plaques, flags. And I said, that's, that's quite a bit of work. He says, no, he says, just try it. So I tried it. And that was back, I was appointed a chaplain in 2016 and promoted to uh, ride captain 2018, but I was still holding a chaplain position also. So I, I carry two hats that way. When you guys were escorting the 9-11 truck, uh -huh. and I was through Farmer's Day, I was at the meeting where everybody's getting going, and the ride captain was telling everybody, this is how we're going to do it, and very much into safety. Mm -hmm. And I was very impressed by just, you know, they got to do this, then this, then this, and you will not do this, 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 and this. I mean, it was very, right. whether you were, you could ride with them, even if you weren't in the guard, mm -hmm. but uh, you had to follow their rules and go yes. with them. And so I was very impressed with how much thought had gone into it and how prepared he was to get this group of people to and, escort this truck down the highway. And that's, the simplicity of it is safety. Mm -hmm. We always call those safety briefings. Mm -hmm. And with that group, like we had, it was a lot of people, a lot of motorcycles who maybe haven't ridden in formations before. So you want to make sure they know what they're doing. And if they stray away from that, somebody will come up to them and say, you're out because mm -hmm. you've got to stay safe and be staggered in the procession, you know, and this type of thing. So it's... It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. So, are you looking for members, and how does one go about? Yeah, we're, uh, we're always for this group. always looking for members to uh, to join the Patriot Guard Riders. We're not a club. We're not a motorcycle club. There's no meetings, no dues. Uh, you it's just like, like in a group, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> just if 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 you're interested in in joining and just being there for honor and respect for the family and the veteran that we're honoring. That's all we ask. Just be there to honor and pay respect yeah. to them. Okay. So do you mind if we give you a number to, to no, our audience? That'd be fine. Um, and if, if you have time, I could tell you a little bit more what we do other than just funeral. That'd be fine. Uh, yes. Processions. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we also assist in a big way with the uh, uh, honor flights coming in to the Waterloo Airport. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. We're always there with a flag line to welcome the veterans uh -huh. as they get off their plane. So we're, we're busy with the honor flights. Yeah. You'll always see us there right at the entrance when they come off the plane into the terminal. Patriot Guard is there. And we also uh, help out with the veterans' home in Marshalltown at Christmas. Mm -hmm. We collect new clothes for, for the people who stay there. Uh, we put on a show for them, you know, type of thing. This last year I was the chaplain in charge there, so I had a couple of prayers to uh, lift up with the people there. But, uh, and we help lay wreaths out there, wreaths across America. We help lay wreaths at the cemetery there in Marshalltown for okay. the for the for the veterans. Yeah. And it's it's a lot more than just going to funerals and this type of thing. Okay. And uh, uh, it's really, and if you get on uh, 
www.patriotguard.org. That'll explain a whole lot of information on what we do and how we do it and everything. But I've got cards to give out, and if anybody ever wants to call me or stop by the house, I'll be I'll be more than happy to to talk to them about it because okay. it's a great organization, men and women. And are these numbers right, Dave? They are. Your home number is three one nine eight two seven two six six three, or your cell number is three one nine four nine three zero two nine two. Again, the home number is three one nine eight two seven two six 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 three, and the cell is three one nine four nine three zero two nine two. Yes, and I, I would prefer the cell phone number, the four nine three zero two nine two, because I'm I've always got my phone with me. Okay. And uh, you know, like I said, we're, and yeah, we wear leather stuff. This is mainly for for safety if we happen to go down on a motorcycle. But uh, everybody wears, uh, you know, leathers type of thing. Mainly, it's a it's a safety thing, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it's really, I, I've been on the other end, other side of the honor mission. A few weeks ago, my father-in-law passed away. And when we pulled into the parking lot of the funeral home there, and I saw 15 motorcycles from the Patriot Guard there, it, the tears came. Yeah. And uh, these guys are, guys and women, I call them my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. They are just a wonderful group of people. And uh, they'll, they'll they they look burly some of them you know and everything but by golly they'll give you the shirt off their back anytime. Uh, cool. <laughs> okay. Are you done? So, yeah. thank you very much for coming here. We got a lot of information on it. We're yeah. welcome. It's, yeah. it's been an honor here. And if you ever like to like me to come back talk about you know the Patriot Guard or anything, uh, one thing we're, we if I may just add to it. This next month in June, it's called uh, Last Salute. And that's where funeral homes take uh, urns from unclaimed veterans. Somebody's left them in a house, in an attic, wherever. We've got one or two in Waterloo and down in Des Moines at Hamilton's funeral home. They have like six. What we're going to do as Patriot Guard Raiders, we're going to escort the urns from Waterloo down to Des Moines. And so they'll have at least six to eight urns there of unclaimed veterans. We will escort them to the Iowa Veterans Cemetery and bury each one of them that way. Uh, So it's, it's really, really special because they don't have families and they've been forgotten for some reason or other. But anyway, that's, you read about that every now and then. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what we do. Yeah. Sounds great to me. Thank you, Dave, for coming in. I really Thank appreciate so it. Uh, um, Dale, why don't we talk about um, the winners and losers of the week? Okay. The uh, If you want to start with the losers, go okay, ahead. Well, I got a loser. Uh, this is in today's Des Moines, or no, Waterloo Courier, I'm sorry. And it's about our uh, our congressman. And they have passed a bill and sent it to the governor that would eliminate state funding for water quality sensors on Iowa's rivers and streams. And I, I know the last uh, 
and survey is the right word, I read was that Iowa has like the first or second or third dirtiest water in the country statewide. And uh, I just, I just, I had a professor, first year I was in college, this would have been uh, in the fall of 69, and he said there will come a day when fresh water will cost more, a gallon of fresh water will cost more than a gallon of milk or a gallon of gasoline. And I think we're getting, you know, to that point. But uh, the thing that bothered me about, bothered me that they have this, some of these in place where they're monitoring the, the, the cleanness, the clarity of the water, but that uh, the person who uh, pushed this bill is uh, uh, Senator Dan Zumbach, and he has a son-in-law who has an 11,600 cattle feeding operation uh, right next to Bloody Run Creek up in northeast mm -hmm. Iowa, very clean, that's a trout stream, mm -hmm. clear, clean water. And it just seems to me like uh, whether it's bad or not, it certainly looks bad. And we were talking about Caesar's wife a little while ago, that you have to, uh, should be no doubt about, uh, you should be above suspicion. And I think if you're in the legislature, you should be above suspicion that what you're doing is to benefit yourself or someone that is either paying you or related to you or this sort of thing. And uh, I see no reason why uh, we shouldn't be looking at our water and trying to find out how dirty it is so that we can take measures to clean it. And uh, for something to look so blatantly political to me, I just, I just think that's a losing proposition for our state. And so that's my loser of the week. I just uh, very upset. But I've been watching this bill for you know since they came into session. And uh, it has passed. And, and uh, I have no doubts the governor will sign it because it's you know $500,000 to monitor the water, which if you look at it, it's not very much for you know our state. So if you look, uh, if you you and I were talking fishing before we went on air tonight, and if you look at the Iowa um, Outdoor Handbook for mm -hmm. for fishermen and hunters, yeah, um, it talks about the wapsie and how you're only supposed to eat um, one one to two fish out of the wapsie. Um, Per week, yeah, because there's so much mercury in yeah. the water. They have the same warnings in Minnesota out of their lakes, way to the north, about not eating too much fresh fish. Fresh fish, uh, I mean, eat more than one a week, but it's it's still they have a warning about that, and so yeah. that, that stuff is everywhere. Yeah, and, uh, we we've uh, uh, we've we've messed it up, Dave. Yeah, we really have, and uh, they're on at one of the rest stops in Minnesota along the interstate. They have plaques up, you know, talking about history. And they talk about this man. But in Minnesota, they thought they had enough trees to last over 100 years. And within just a very few, they'd cut every one of them down, mm -hmm. the old-growth forest. And there's a man, I can't remember his name, I'm sorry, that got a movement going to replant the state. And so all of those trees, or almost all of them, are new. They're not the old growth that was there, you know, 200 years ago. Yeah. But he said it was amazingly how fast... Those hundred years worth of trees were cut down, just boom, you know, a year or two, they were all gone. Uh, and so uh, no one, I, I know there's several politicians that hate regulations and everything, but if there were not regulations, there wouldn't be a fish in the ocean or a tree yeah. anywhere to find it. It'd all be gone, and the ground would be all tore up looking for gold and never reclaimed or anything. And so uh, uh, people in their search for wealth 
have got to be kept in check somewhat. Yep. Otherwise, uh, it ruins it for the whole world, for everybody. So, uh, the, okay, that was my, my little my, my losers are, um, and you talked about the, our legislators a little bit there and um, last week, but I went to our Jessup Public Library to see, I knew they wouldn't have the board. The Bohemian Manifesto, <laughs> excuse me, in Sorry. our library, but I wanted to get it in interlibrary loan, yeah. and I was told that it is not possible. It's been, she didn't say banned, but she politely put it that way. Okay. She politely Which I mean, you could not get it. said I couldn't get it, so I... I Started my Amazon addiction by by buying that uh, off of Amazon. Ordered it on Saturday and got it today. Actually, okay. you remember? Did they have a lot of copies available, or sometimes they tell you how many? Are there, there one, there, there wasn't very many. Okay, there wasn't very. I got the, a new one was fifty four dollars, yeah. and I got this one for three twenty nine. All right, what a bargain! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but. One of our board members, Kara Masteller, um, loves this book, and I was telling her mm. about about um, that it's been banned, and the banning of books is, by our, um, our legislators is my loser of the week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I agree, because the banned books are the best ones to read. Yes. And any yes. high school kid will tell you that, is you put banned in Boston, it used to be the Boston... Puritans would ban a book in it or ban a movie and it become a bestseller right, right away. And uh, now uh, I agree. Uh, you see people wearing shirts. I only read banned books. <laughs> and uh, uh, some of the best books. So, Dale, who's your winner of the week? I don't have a winner. I tried to think of a winner this week, but uh, I don't know who's doing well or who isn't doing well. Uh, I don't have. I'm sorry. I don't have anybody to talk about. So the uh, for me, the city of Miami is a giant winner this week. Okay. As the in, the Panthers defeated Boston, um, the number eight seed Panthers, who barely made it into the hockey playoffs. Okay, I was going to ask you, yep. what sport is that? Yep. So, okay, hockey. Okay, all I and, know is the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. And, and everybody was talking about the Boston Bruins being possibly the greatest hockey team of all time. Ah, okay. Had the Panthers down 3-1 to one in, in a seven-game series, and the Panthers won three games in a row to win the series. Okay. Uh, and then the Miami Heat, who barely made it into the playoffs and were the eighth seed in the NBA playoffs, played last year's world champion Milwaukee Bucks and beat them 4-2 in six games. Um, both... both both winning the series this week. So my, the city of Miami is this week's winner. Okay. Well, ever since that Jacksonville game in 69 we talked about, yeah. I've, I have no love for any Florida team. <laughs> so, so I can't call them winners, no. But, but I understand what you're saying. So. All right. All right. Well, uh, the, the uh, 
Do you have Do you have any updates on on Farmers Day? Uh, nothing more than what I gave you. You know, the last two weeks, uh, we have not had any additional meetings yet, and uh, so uh, everything is chugging along uh, very fine. And on my uh, cemetery road project, I have a call into the board of supervisors. They have not gotten back to me yet, and so I give them two days. So I'll call them again tomorrow and see what happens. Well, so, Dale, I, uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to jump on that bag bandwagon and talk about what you talked about off air a little bit. Mm -hmm. I like your idea of it being paved from Hawley all the way around past both cemeteries and up North Streets. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. And Rachel, our guest last week, talked about having um, having um, paths. A flat, because yeah. the roads are crowned. Right. And so when you walk on the streets, you know, you're kind of like this. It's like the little mm -hmm. shepherd boy going up the mountain or whatever. Right. And it does hurt after a while. It does. And so I look, you know, you look for places... To walk that are more level, right? And uh, but some uh, you can't avoid it, all of it. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, we talked about paving that going on Holly Street mm -hmm. on the two fifteenth, I think, out to Carter and then past the cemetery to the north to the be hooked whatever that street is that hooked Ten. up with South Street or with North Street and back into town, and uh, and then having a running path along the side of it, a running path, bike path, whatever. And uh, it would be a wonderful uh, recreational opportunity for people in Jessup because, uh, you know, walking the track is fine. I walk the track, uh, but you are just going around that oval yeah. you know, 20 times or whatever, and it's nice to get out in the, in the countryside and hear the birds sing. And so I thought, I think that would be a great idea. That would be. Uh, as soon as you win the lotto, why? Well, you know, it is... Um, perhaps we'll say something to Mr. Bishop when we interview him tonight. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, the news from Cowick 591, um, a food truck Wednesday from 11 until 2 is the Caribbean Kitchen. That's the 10th on this Wednesday. The you have. Two, yeah, the last two. And one of them got a, a burrito. You couldn't believe how big that was. And then... Uh, I guess it was a cheeseburger, I guess, but uh, just a sandwich in the real. But both of them were very good. Okay. And so uh, uh, it's amazing what they can get out of that little bitty wagon or mm -hmm. whatever it's called, food truck, I guess. Uh, but uh, And that burrito, the Burritos Express is back again on the 15th of this month. Mm -hmm. And also the casserole kitchen that was here last Friday is back. Now, that sounded like my mother's kitchen was the yeah. casserole kitchen. So. Yeah, uh, those were the times. So I wonder, I've never seen. That. I wonder what they'll have. I'd just be interesting to know. Yeah, stop, stop in and find out. I will. Dale, I want to talk this week a little bit about conspiracy theories. <laughs> what did you find out? Well, that that there's a lot of them. There's hundreds of them out there, Dale. Yeah. Um, the black helicopters, for example, where the government supposedly can sneak in anywhere they want to yeah. in black helicopters. Yeah. Chemtrails that uh, that are sprayed out of the back of jets up in the air, those, those trails that follow the jets in the yeah. air um, supposedly are being sprayed over us. Yeah, there's another one. <laughs> Malaysia Airline Flight MH370, the 
the one that disappeared oh, okay. and oh, I'm was sure never lots found. About that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there there is a lot. New Coca Cola. Um, the argument was to make Coke cheaper was one one theory. Another one was they just wanted to sell more Coke. <laughs> was another theory. Well, they only have like. Two cents in every buy. I, you know, I, how would you make it any cheaper? And I just okay. All right. Um, is Israel animal spying? The Israelis using animals to spy on people. Oh. You realize how hard that is to train a cat to spy on people. I, I think <laughs> you can't train a cat to do anything. Oh, you can't. I, I just, okay. There um, is. Uh, there well, is. These are all new to me. I'm uh, really, okay. There, there is one. Malala Yousafzai, um, she was the Pakistani girl that was shot in the head. Uh-huh. And the Taliban started the, the conspiracy theory that um, one of Hollywood's stars led, led um, a black op group and shot Malala Rather than the ta- uh, Taliban. Okay. Yes. Um, then, of course, the Sandy Hook school shooting in U.S. 2012 yeah. um, was one that was brought up. That's, that's supposedly that's a, another. A, a sick one. That is yeah, a very I, sick one. Uh, and the theory that the Clintons killed fi- over 50 of their staff members and followers. <laughs> Is is another theory, um, but but Dale, one of my favorites to talk about is the John F. Kennedy assassination conspiracy yeah. theory. Yeah. What, Mine do, too. No. Do you believe that Lee Harvey Oswald acted on his own? Well, uh, the shooting was fantastic, and he had a very cheap rifle, and I understand it was a bold action, so it wasn't an automatic. And for him to make those shots. Uh, because I, I think he's just an average Marine Corps shooter. For him to make those shots is, is very improbable to me and to uh, you know, people that look at it that way. Uh, so I don't know. It was, it was uh, either everything was going just right for him or that day as a marksman or uh, it had to be somebody else. But I cannot believe that uh, they haven't figured out if it was something else. It had to be, you know, somewhere where people could see something or hear something, or and so it's, it's hard for me to believe that uh, he didn't do it. I guess because it's the most logical explanation right. for with the information they have right now. So, uh, there, there, opinion. there is uh, there's a lot of theories out out there, Dale. You know, there's one theory that the Russians did it. There's another theory that the Cubans did it. There's another theory. The mafia did it. There's another theory that the CIA did it. Yeah. That Lyndon Baines Johnson did it. Well, who benefits? That's the old thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I can talk a minute. Uh, I have ever driven in the middle of that, like 2 a.m. and an a.m. radio, and the the talk shows they have on there are kind of interesting. One guy one night talked for an hour and a half about how inoculations were. Terrible, you know, they were another conspiracy theory, but, you know, the shots you were getting. But this man they were interviewing claimed to be part of the mafia, and he claimed to be part of the team that worked to kill Kennedy. And the, the, what he said was that Joe Kennedy, Jack's father, 
was involved in bootlegging back during Prohibition. And so he was in with the, with the mob. And Jack needed help getting elected president, especially needed work in Chicago to get those votes, and that put him over the top to win. And so the mob agreed. Joe Kennedy went to the mob. They agreed to provide the votes to make Jack president. In return, Joe said, Jack will get Cuba back for you because the mob had a lot of presence in Cuba, a lot of casinos, and, and that's where they hid a lot of their money. And uh, they had a large presence in Cuba, and they were very unhappy when Castro kicked them out with the revolution. So Joe said, Jack will get Cuba back for you if you make him president. And so that was the agreement. Well, then we had the Bay of Pigs fiasco, and nothing went right, and Jack kind of gave up on the whole thing. And so that uh, made the mob very irritated, and so they went after Jack and killed him because of that. And this guy uh, was saying that Oswald was just uh, like a, a diversion, you know, but that there were he and a couple other guys, and he says that everything's buried out in the desert, you know, all the evidence. And so that was his thing. And he, he also said that uh, Marilyn Monroe, Jack had an affair with Marilyn Monroe, and while he was president, and Marilyn was pretty sure that Jack was going to divorce Jackie, his wife, and marry her, and she was beginning to be a, a pain about the whole thing, and so that uh, Jack turned to Bobby to take care of it, and Bobby is actually the one who went and made sure that Marilyn died in her hotel room, uh, and everything was covered up very quickly, and she was buried, and that was it, and so he had a lot of <laughs> thoughts, but he, he's saying basically the mob was responsible for this to get even with the Kennedys because they did not fulfill their bargain with the mob. So, do you, uh, um, I'm sure you remember, and we did, I talked about this before you joined our podcast, Dale. Um, we talked about our earliest memories, and maybe you and I talked about that. Yeah, we did talk about that. And and um, Kennedy was assassinated in November of '63. And Dale, I swear to God, I remember that. I'd have been two years old. Yeah, no. There. No, I remember. I was coming out of the locker I had PE class. And I was coming out of the locker room, and a guy named Larry Moore, I'd known him all my life, was coming in, and he said, did you hear that Kennedy got shot? And I just, oh, yeah, like, what else are you going to tell me? You know. Right. And so, because I know uh, uh, later on he told people that I laughed when I heard that Kennedy was shot. Well, I laughed at the ad. I just thought it was an absurd thing he was right. messing with. But I remember then uh, going to the locker in the books, going to class, and the principal came on the intercom and told us that he actually had been shot. But uh, I remember we just coming out of that locker room and him telling me that and not believing it. You know, just I just couldn't imagine that can happen. So uh, well, and then to make matters even worse, that that was that was on a Friday, and they they were moving Lee Harvey Oswald out of the Dallas. Mm -hmm police department mm -hmm. to another place and um, Jack Ruby stepped forward and shot Lee Harvey Oswald yeah. um, just outside the or in the garage there at mm. on live on television yeah I mean, <clears throat> live yeah. on television the police were doing this. everything wrong yeah. yeah but then Jack Ruby conveniently got killed in jail before he could talk very much right did it, did he was he killed or did he die of cancer? Oh, okay, I don't know, but I thought he was he died <clears throat> right after that. I need a drink, uh, which uh, leads you to believe that maybe 
if he was dying, he knew he had cancer. Right. He would agree to go ahead and do all that if there was a payoff to someone, you know, someplace. I mean, you could come up with your own conspiracy theory just on that, you know, that uh, there was a payoff. So I don't know, but uh, but he never really talked, did he? He never really said he did why he, he did it. And then he died shortly after that. Well, and so uh, his uh, his statement. <clears throat> When he did it originally, was to save Jackie the suffering of the trial. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know that was an early, early statement. But yeah. then, when he was in jail or when he was in prison, he claimed that other people con controlled him, like mm -hmm. you said. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. No, um, it's, it's hard to figure out what compels someone to uh, to kill like that. But uh, a lot, and we still have this today, man. People want to get on TV. It just, and they don't care how, right. they want to get on TV, and so uh, <clears throat> I have to get a drink. Yeah, well, that'll give me a chance to do some, uh, okay. some public service announcements. Don't forget, come join the Steve Brown Arts Center and Jessica Community <laughs> Rec Department for a week of musical theater camp at the Jessup Park Pavilion. Campers will learn the process of putting on a musical in just one week. As a group, we will design the sets, props, and costumes, and also star on the show. Camp ends with a performance for friends and family. Uh, the dates are July 24th through the 27th from 9 until 2, and July 28th from 9 until 5 with a performance at 4 o'clock. Register using the QR <clears throat> code. Spots are limited to the first 25 registrants. <clears throat> if you're interested or you haven't got these, um, contact me and I can forward this to you. I know Blake now is having this put on YouTube. Um, I, I woke up in the night and I was on YouTube one night. So <laughs> that's how I realized that I that Blake had put it on YouTube. So uh, is it going home at the, from the schools yet? Or? Yeah, is it, it, has. Okay. it uh, has. And like a piece of paper like that? Or? Uh, no, they emailed it. Oh, uh, okay. They emailed it. Um, all aspiring actors need to be ages 6 to 13, and the cost is $200. But that's an incredible deal for six hours a day or five hours a day um, of, of camp, of summer camp. And there's scholarships available. There are. Scholarships. And yes. The people doing this are they're professionals. Well, my daughter and her husband. But uh, they do this as a profession in Michigan, but they are coming here. They don't work, they're volunteering, uh, mainly because my daughter's from Jessup and uh, they don't want to support the Steve Brown uh, movement. And so uh, uh, I, if you have kids, I, en I encourage you, you know, whatever your situation is, sign them up and, and uh, the camperships are available and they'd love to work with your kids no matter what situation they have. And uh, so, uh, you know, the, the price kind of, you have to have something involved from yourself, you know, instead of because if you're going to put on a play, you got to have the kids there every day. Yeah. And so, uh, you if you have a little skin in the game, oh, then you're going to be there. It's, it's more so, than fair, Dale. Yeah. It's more than fair. So I I, I encourage you because you know, uh, your kids will love it, and these are people that know what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, so D don't forget. Um, Free suicide prevention training is Monday, May 22nd, 2023, from 6 to 8 o'clock p.m. at the Jessup Bible Fellowship, 152 South Street in Jessup, Iowa. And Thursday, May 25th, 2023, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, 
at Cowork 591 on 591 Young Street in Jessup, Iowa. Reserve your spot now. Call Ryan R. Nesbitt. Or excuse me, reserve you at 641-990-4957 or email him at ryan.r.nesbit at gmail.com. That's ryan, R-Y-A-N dot R dot N-E-S-B-I-T at gmail.com or call him at 641-990-4957. There's been several public service announcements on television lately about May being Mental Health Month, and uh, they're really looking into mental health a lot because of the, the shootings. And we're trying to combine the two. But uh, I remember when my daughter Heather worked at Camp Courageous, and they would have, I used to call them, you know, the, the disease of the week or whatever, but campers come in. And she said the worst for her were uh, uh, people who had grown up and perfectly normal and everything, and had some kind of trauma, like a the bicycle went down, they hit their head on the curb or whatever, and whenever the you know the mental part never came back. Mm-hmm. And she said it was so hard to work with them because they knew that they had known this stuff, but now all at once it was gone. They couldn't do it anymore, right. and they had the knowledge that it was there, but they just couldn't get it out. And she said it was very discouraging uh, for these campers and. Uh, uh, trying hard to ha- let them have a good experience at Camp Courageous. Yeah. Uh, and so mental health problems can happen to anybody at any time, no matter what you are now. It, all it takes is one little trauma, mm-hmm. one trip, one fall, one hit at the wrong spot, and you could be in that position. And uh, we need more programs to help people, I think, uh, because it's out there and it's waiting for all of us at one time or another. And yep. so uh, I make jokes about Alzheimer's, that kind of thing, but it's nothing to joke about. It's very serious stuff. And uh, when you start playing with people's minds, uh, uh, it's hard to understand. You, yeah. you know, and most of us don't know how to help them, but I think we probably could learn more than we know now. So uh, In, in uh, happier news, oh, the... Okay. Yeah, the <laughs> uh, no, that's all right. Mr. Depressing. No, no, you know... And, I, I was listening to a show this this morning about this. Uh, someone said, well, I ended up having to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it is, therapy is like having to go to the doctor. Well, sure. You just have to go to the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be it a mental illness or a physical illness, yeah. you know, therapy is not a bad thing. And our our... Our society has to realize that. Yeah, I think it does. Um, Don't forget, um, Littleton Free Watermelon Days is Saturday, singular, is July 29th, 2023, from noon to 8 o'clock. Music by Belvins and Powers, Chet Reagan Music with Mandy McCleary, The Bad Habits Band, artists Bruce Gordon, Helen Hunter, and Barb Prawl will be there. Vendors, um, the Jessup Lions Club, Boyd's Food Truck, and Totally Rolled Ice Cream, Northeast Iowa. There'll be free watermelon there for everyone. Um, sponsors include the Littleton Lounge, Reyes Concrete, Littleton Chatham Historical Society, Jacobson's Fabrication and Repair, LLC, Dream Chaser Acres, Boyd's Food Truck, Jessup Lions Club, the Independence High School FFA is supplying the free watermelon. 
Thomas James LLC is supplying a free dumpster. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally rolled ice cream. I wish was supplying free ice cream, Dale. <laughs> yeah, well. But uh, and and but they are donating to uh, the Steve Brown Arts okay. Center. And then even events and rental, the mayor was in talking about this a couple weeks ago, is supplying a couple stages and some other things. Okay. Um, that is presented by the Steve Brown Arts Center. Is Blake going to be there parking cars or anything? Or He, if we can talk him into singing, <laughs> singing one or two, uh, two songs. <laughs> um, some people are so hard to get along with. They you? are, they are. We have... Uh, We at the Steve Brown Arts Center are incredibly proud to say we have 35 days of events this coming summer. That's wonderful. It it includes Independence Farmers Market, um, Art in the Park, um, five days. It includes the theater camp, Littleton Free Watermelon Day, a youth talent show, in the Land of Corn Pavilion from 12 until 1.30, and then Farmer's Day as well. So we're, we're proud to say at least at least 30 days of events, and we are also going to go to the, the libraries in Buchanan County and record some StoryCorps stories that can be put in the Library of Congress. So... Those are some other events. Don't forget the Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. The long-range vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional emerging artists in all areas of the arts and humanities. Through the 1990s and early 2000s, Jessup was world-renowned for its artist-in-residence program, and the Steve Brown Arts Center would like to help return to that illustrious time. You can follow us on our website at stevebrownartscenter.org, on Facebook, or on Twitter, and our new site at Instagram at Steve Brown Arts Center. If you would like to donate to the Steve Brown Arts Center or have an idea for an event, go to stevebrownartscenter.org and follow the link. If you have news or would like to sponsor us, email us at jim at stevebrownartscenter.org or call 319-290-0241. That email is new. Let me say it again. That's jim at stevebrownartscenter.org or call 319 290 0241 and leave a message. If you know the answer to Dale's two trivia questions, you can you can text me, email me, or call me. Or if you see Dale on the street, tell him. Following Sunday is going to be Mother's Day. Did you know that? Okay. Okay. And I know a different because I lost my mother when I was 20, and I know your mother lived a long time past yep. that. And my mother was, she was 41 when I was born. Mm-hmm. So she was an older, and so I had older parents, because my dad was even older than that, and uh, when your mother dies when you're 20, and you're only there, I was 18 years, and then I was gone, you know, in California, but uh, you think you're going to learn a lot from your mother later on, you know, when you're both adults, and you talk things over, and this sort of thing, and when that goes away, 
unexpectedly, there's a lot of stuff you don't know right. about uh, your parents and this sort of thing that your mother would know that your father maybe wouldn't talk to you about. And so uh, I always feel bad for people that lose their mother at an early age. And I know that your mother lived till she, how old was she? She, she lived till she was 85. Yeah. Um, but like yours, my mother, my mother gave birth to me at 39. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was an older lady. Yeah, yeah, because I have a brother two years younger than I am, too, mm-hmm. and I have brothers 10 years older, so it's like they had two families. Right. But uh, so I, I wished I would have uh, a lot of things I didn't do that I wish I would have done, you know, because I didn't know she was going to die so young. So If you would like to donate to the Steve Brown Arts Center, have an idea for an event, go to stevebrownartscenter.org and follow the link. Um, I'm Jim Gillespie. Thanks co-host Dale Reber, our producers. Blake Tempest yes. and Kelly Sias at Cowork 591 Studios. Remember, each day is about little victories.